The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. I'm eating goldfish, by the way. They're orange kind, or did you get like rainbow goldfish? Regular kind. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and yet another week here in the quarantine life. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. On this week's show, we have a roundup of technical headlines and things, a lot of it kind of coronavirus related. But to break all that up, my compadre El Kaiser here has a few things that he'd like to talk about, too, including his beloved cheese grater Mac and its current state. Mr. Rosado, how are you today? I'm doing all right. In the Q zone. In the Q yes. zone. How you survive in the Q zone. The days kind of blend into each other. Not, nothing to complain about here. You know, working from home, able to do that. Got food. No, no problems there. The day was sort of nicely broken up by a little flyover by the uh, Air Force Thunderbirds and the Navy Blue Angels who decided to uh, buzz uh, the New York City metropolitan area in support of the healthcare workers. And uh, th- although I did notice on their side, it's like, you can see this from the comfort of your own home. Don't go out and congregate. And it's a flyover in New York with buildings. And so, of course, everyone's going to run to the rivers to go out and see it. Uh, th- there were... Uh, People, everyone was wearing masks and mostly, uh, you know, there's always a few derps that won't. And most people were, you could see them visually trying to figure out how six feet from each other was, you know, mentally measuring. So so people did make an effort. There were huge clumps of people just gathered around to, to watch 10 seconds of these jets flying over. But, uh, but you can tell it was sort of, it was a beautiful day. A lot of parents brought their kids out because I'm sure they're really tired of being cooped up to the kids anyway. And oh, you've yeah. got precision military jets flying in a Delta formation over your Manhattan rivers, uh, that's going to be something exciting for the kids as well. So, I'll watch the video, though. Yeah, it'll be on the news. Lots of professional uh, quality footage there. Uh, So so that kind of broke up the day. But other than that, it's just you sort of get up and you figure out, well, I'm going to go to work, so let me put on my work sweatpants. And then, okay, (laughs) the day is over and I'm going to put on my lounging sweatpants. I'm wearing my dress PJs right now. So oh, okay. The, the ones yeah. with the creases ironed into them yes. and all? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you, you got to bring it to work, you know? So uh, what would you like to talk about? It's been one entire long day for me. What is it? Like day 47, day 59, day 126? It's in the 50s because the governor does his his daily thing and, and he'll say it's day 54 and then he, he goes under. I forget what day it is, but we have passed, leave the, the 50 day mark. But But for you, one long day. Yeah, one giant long day. And I think I'm kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here in terms of TV watching. Oh, dear. You've like lost I'm all running the good out things? of stuff. Yeah, oh I'm running out of stuff. I gotta, I'm going to have to start expanding my palette here. I are decided you looping to watch, back to reruns or like, are you on no, the Cozy no, Network no, no, yet? No, not yet. I think I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to start rewatching classic shows and stuff. But what's happening here is I ended up deciding to watch Avenue 5 on HBO. Have you heard of this show? I've heard of Babylon 5. I have not heard of Avenue 5. Pray tell, I'm glad you it? mentioned ba- See, you mentioned Babylon 5, and I realized as I was watching this, oh my God, this is a spoof, a very bad spoof of Babylon 5 and Deep Space Nine. The whole thing is it's like a, like a luxury liner in space. Mm-hmm. And I was wanting so much more. First off, you got Orville spoofing the whole Star Trek world. So- we don't need another one doing 
pretty much the same thing. I just don't understand why they thought this was a good idea. Who's who's in the cast uh, that that uh, might be worth watching? Hugh Laurie, Josh Gad, I think his name is. Oh yeah, he was the snowman and uh, Frozen. Yeah, and Hugh Laurie Correct. from House. Yeah, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was in Silicon Valley. Very funny guy. He's the funniest guy on the show. I can't remember the actor's name, but he plays sort of like the customer liaison or the passenger liaison on the on the ship and he's literally out of his mind a very good role for the guy but i didn't understand what the point was i was expecting a little more science fiction and a little less dumb jokes it sounds kind of like the love boat in space yeah it had that vibe but it's you know it's not it's like essentially they're stranded out there for a couple of years because they got knocked out of space it's yeah it's a weird combination of stuff Again, it's one of these things where if there is a second season, I don't see it happening because the show just finished its first season, but I might give it a shot to see if it improves. But if anyone else out there is watching this show, tell me why I should be liking it. Orville kind of grew on me, but this is kind of sort of like, no. Yeah, yeah. Who who, so who puts out Avenue 5? Is this a Netflix show or where does it come no, from? No, it's HBO and it's uh, it's from the folks that did Veep. And now Veep was a hell of a show. Yeah, yeah, Veep was, I still, I learned so many new cuss words and uh, combinations of cuss words <laughs> oh, on yes. Veep. Yes, no, Veep was classic, but this is not in Veep's class, not even close. All right, so uh, swing and a miss, perhaps. For me, yeah, and folks, if you're watching it out there, let me know what you think. I would be very interested in finding out. Tweet us or send me in, send us an email or post it somewhere. Well, at least you're very adventurous with your TV. I'm, I'm sort of, oh, what's on PBS tonight? And, and I'm actually going back through the PBS app and finding old documentaries that I missed the first time around. And I'm watching the World on Fire, the World War II thing that runs up here, which if you've given money to PBS and you get the passport and you can watch all the episodes and not have to wait for them to get doled out once oh, a week. Nice. So, uh, nice. but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, you, you will go for the, the, the more curious shows and, and the lesser known quantities where I'm yeah. like, oh, if it's on Masterpiece Theater, it must be good. Yeah. <laughs> so you were a downtown Abbey type? Oh yeah, yeah. The, all of it, uh, bringing out all of the uh, the sort of Anglophilia and, and guilt about the class system and whatnot. Yeah, no, I didn't do downtown Abbey. Yeah, it, I know it's, it's downtown. I know, folks. Don't don't. But send still, me yeah, no, I don't really see it being your kind of thing. I know you like action <laughs> and adventure and explodey things, and I they did have one season of World War One, but it was was very. Sort of more off off camera, so uh, yeah, I, I think you you might have been bored by all the race pinky teacup, yeah, you know, like oh, what did the maid do too. kind of thing, yeah. So yeah, yeah. The, the, this Downton Abbey was not really your big purveyor of the flatulence humor there. I must mm. say, I heard that. I heard that. Yeah. Do we have news? We have some news, and it's it's a, a lot of it. It's still around the coronavirus theme, but everyone is getting on with the whole contact tracing thing, which we talked yes. about. Google and Apple's project that they're doing a couple of weeks ago, you know, keeps on Google and Apple. I keep calling them Gapple. 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 Um, <laughs> I like that. But, you know, as the world tries to stomp out the spread of COVID-19, the hot new buzzword is contact tracing. For those who need a bit of clarification, uh, either we muffed it the last time or you're just uh, jumping in here fresh, a contact tracing app is one that is designed to automatically alert people to whether they are at high risk of getting the virus, having the virus, based on whether they were near someone recently. And this is all done through little beacons on the smartphone. So if you come into contact, perhaps, with someone who has been diagnosed, then this app could warn you, like, hey, did you know that person had the thing? And you might 
be exposed now. So it's a way to map the spread of, of the COVID-19 virus more accurately through smartphones. And then the people who are exposed, maybe they go and stay indoors for two weeks and stop it from spreading that way. That, that, that's the theory behind it anyway. The contact tracing stuff, which I kept getting mixed up with skip tracing. I remember we had a skip tracer on the show all, all oh, those yeah, years ago. Oh, yeah, we sure But this is a little bit different. And as we mentioned on the previous show, uh, Google and Apple are, are teaming up on their uh, Bluetooth-based platform that will help public health officials track who's infected. And it's going to be a, a volunteer participation thing. And they're claiming that there's all kinds of security and privacy considerations. We're expecting that in mid-May. But not everyone is jumping on board the big tech train here as individual governments must decide if they want to use their own contact tracing solutions instead. Now, for example, the Barely United Kingdom's National Health (laughs) Service is uh, making its own coronavirus contact tracing app, and it's set to use a different model than the Google-Apple one. And it's uh, working on this app now. They're saying that it's functioning sufficiently well with users having to keep it active and on screen. Experts uh, from Britain's National Cybersecurity Center have also helped in this app development. Uh, So they're going great guns there. Now, the difference here is while Apple and Google's platform matches uh, the infected users' phones on sort of a decentralized approach where it's just the phones passing the information uh, back and forth, the UK is going for a more centralized model of matching people And uh, they would get those alerts sent out to people by putting all the action on a computer server. So they've got a centralized location for all this information. And when a phone pings and the the alerts go out, this obviously poses a bit more of a privacy issue. As you know, hackers uh, do love to crack a good database. And having all the info in one place would allow public officials to have more insight and analysis on how COVID-19 is spreading because they've got it all right there in one spot. But still, some people are worried. The other thing people are worried about with the UK's approach is the phone's battery life could be impacted because I guess the uh, British app wakes up in the background every time a phone detects another device running the same software. And so, you know, all that waking and sleeping, waking and sleeping, that's going to ding your power a little bit. Or apparently the the Gopal solution lets the matching take place without waking up the device. And so a little bit less consumption there. Could we call it Goople? Goople, yes. Is, is Gwyneth Paltrow going to come after us? Oh, yeah, she might. She's she powerful. Might. So, so that, that's sort of what the UK is doing. France is also going for the centralized database approach. Germany had been on team centralized database, but apparently they flipped recently. So they're going more for the decentralized model, as is Estonia, Switzerland, and Austria. I think uh, Austria's Red Cross are uh, going for the decentralized model. So we're seeing a, a, a split in approach here. Now, Australia, you know, way down there uh, in, yeah. in the Pacific, they're uh, also in the, the COVID-19 boat as well. They are easing their lockdown restrictions and they've released their own contact tracing app. And apparently two million Australians have downloaded it already. The app is called COVID Safe, and it also uses Bluetooth to record digital handshakes between smartphones. So if someone catches a virus and reports in, then the health authorities can track who that person's been around within one and a half meters of the person for 15 minutes or more. I guess there's a time element, too. If you're near the person longer, the the more chances you have of of getting it. But uh, the government there is facing privacy concerns in getting Aussies to use the app. It estimates that at least 40 percent of the 26 million people there have to use this app for it to be considered successful. But an Australian Institute survey of about 1,000 people showed that 45% of those respondents 
were willing to use a contact tracing app, while 28% said they wouldn't. So I think there's the, the fear that the government is watching you uh, with these these sorts of apps. Yeah, well, because basically they are watching you. Yeah, they and, and a lot of, well, are you going to just use this for this pandemic and then we're not going to, to do it anymore? Or are you just going to keep tracking people forever? That's the fear. Is that's every dystopian yeah. novel, you know, that, that builds in the tech stuff is, you yeah. know, the whole government tracking and surveillance. That black van's going to pull up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and meanwhile, over in India, uh, they've got a contact tracing app there uh, that became the fastest ever to reach 50 million users, also bogged down by the same privacy concerns and fear of government surveillance, because I think India has not made any promises that the app was uh, not, not going to do this after the pandemic had passed. So I guess if it's on your phone, uh, maybe you delete it if you can. But uh, several different countries, though, they're, they're all taking different approaches. But the fear of having a government spy on your phone is making some people a little uneasy. We have not seen the, the Google Apple, Google Gapple <laughs> app yet. So we, we need to uh, see it for ourselves before we can can place judgment. And and we, we mentioned that, the, you know, the... Uh, EEF was looking into them, too, and thought that, you know, they, they did have a, a generally good approach uh, for privacy. But uh, still, uh, scary apps for scary times. Goople! Goople. <laughs> oh, here comes Gwyneth. She's going to want a royalty there. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, speaking of privacy, the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation uh, that went into effect just about two years ago this month isn't turning out to be the super savior of consumer protection that maybe we were all hoping it would be. Really? According to the New York Times, uh, since the law went into effect in 2018, there has been little enforcement of the GDPR, which was originally thought to shield consumers from the data-hungry tech companies and their invasive methods of scooping up personal information, uh, but, but not so much. Uh, in addition to lack of enforcement, the law has been hobbled by poor funding, limited staff resources, and stalling tactics by the tech companies. I guess since May 2018, Google has been the only tech giant uh, to really be penalized, and that was a fine of, I think, about $54 million, which I think someone did the math, and that's like a tenth of what Google generates in sales each day. So, so not really uh, smart in there from the fine. That's sofa change. Yeah, and uh, no, no major penalties or fines have been announced against Facebook, Amazon, or Twitter, which a lot of people thought that they would be in the crosshairs because, especially Facebook, some um, history of, of grabbing people's info there. Just a touch. Yeah, but but uh, not so much. And, and this is all kind of a bit of irony with all of the aforementioned contact tracing apps now playing key roles in COVID-19 containment strategies. They say, yeah, you know, we want to keep the government, the, the tech out of your data. But here, yeah, just tell us, you know, where you're at <laughs> if you're sick. Strange times. Strange times. Yes. Uh, but the COVID-19 grace period from some of the telecom carriers will continue for another month or so. AT&T, Comcast, and Verizon, plus a few others, have said that they won't cancel service through June, nor will they charge late fees to customers who have been impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. Last month, as the lockdown began to hit, many carriers had also agreed to open Wi-Fi hotspots to anyone who needs them because digital divide, not everyone's got instant internet wherever they go. So these companies were opening up free Wi-Fi hotspots for people to like do school and, and work from home. Last week, a group of 24 state attorneys general asked carriers to extend that voluntary commitment for the Wi-Fi hotspots until August 11th. So we'll, we'll see if they uh, continue on with their goodwill of Wi-Fi there. Mm. Now, for those desperate to buy the not-even-announced-yet iPhone 12 and worried that production delays due to global supply chain uh, all being all banjacks and stuff, uh, some insider sources are uh, predicting, yes, the new model 
will be pushed back just a little bit, about a month, just as remember it happened with the iPhone 10. So if this tracks as it did with the 10, uh, that means instead of mid to late September for a new iPhone, this year's model is likely to land in the mid to late October or possibly early November window. I remember they did have some uh, production issues with the iPhone 10 uh, back in the day a few years ago. Are there people really sweating Getting a new iPhone right now? I think there, there, there's always somebody who is desperate for the new thing of whatever. I don't know how big that pool oh, of people is geez. anymore and if they can afford it. But wow. the demand for the spiffy new phone and erect economy uh, remains to be seen. So, <laughs> but Well, I think because th- this year it was touted as Apple was finally going to get off the pot and make a phone that was more innovative and not just a, a light refresh of the previous year. So I think there was generally some... Anticipation building, especially if the camera was going to take a huge leap and it was going to be able to do all this virtual and augmented reality stuff. So so maybe it got a little bit of a buzz there. But again, the world's falling apart. So do you really want to yeah. you know, drop 1500 bucks on a phone? I'm not. No way. Yeah. Not even close. Yes. Now, uh, moving on, while the Zoom video conference software has been hogging all of the hacker headlines lately, Security Week reports that Microsoft's Teams platform had its own problems with uh, vulnerability. Uh, However, Microsoft has addressed a security hole, this one that was found, that hackers could have been using to hijack Microsoft Teams accounts. And they could do this by sending a specially crafted link or a GIF image targeting the organization's users. And so I guess they uh, buried something in there and in theory would let them take over the Teams account. There was a quote, though, from the Microsoft blog that was talking about it, and they said, We addressed the issue discussed in this blog and worked with the researcher under coordinated vulnerability disclosure. While we have not seen any use of this technique in the wild, we have taken steps to keep our customers safe. So Microsoft has spoken, uh, and that's what they told Security Week. So here's Uh hoping. I have a feeling Microsoft Teams is probably not a big of a target as Zoom. I'm just guessing here. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah, but but there was a hold and it's closed now, so so Microsoft is ready to move on. Twitter is also moving on, uh, this time from its SMS origins. The bird-themed microblogging and ranting service was first built to be used over traditional text message way, way, way back when. I, I vaguely remember these days. But the company has turned off the SMS feature in all but just a few countries that still rely on text due to lack of infrastructure and, and internet capabilities. Most people who use the Twitter app or website won't even notice because they're using the Twitter app or website. But the change does make us look back on the end of an era for the service when Twitter launched back in 2006. It was built around SMS and the original 140 character limit was tailored to text message size limitations, which I think what you could do 160 on a text and Twitter mm-hmm. cut you back to 140 because it needed room for some stuff. Right. So so that is all ancient history uh, in the Twitter world these what, 14 years that we, we've had Twitter. And it's become a total cesspool. Yes, and and did not take long to to fully cess up that pool. So, so yeah, 2006. We've we've only had Twitter since then. But yeah, <laughs> Way too long. <laughs> yeah, time has flies. Time marches on. Yes. Uh, here's one that might interest you, audio person that you are. Google has released an update to its Pixel earphones. I said, wait, I did not know Google did. Phone. Yeah, no, they did. What? They yeah, have the Pixel, Pixel Buds. earphones. 
Yeah, I remember they did the Pixel Buds not I don't. too long ago. I well, actually well, don't. Well, they did, and now uh, the Pixel Buds 2 are out. They cost $179, and they're truly wireless. I guess the old one wasn't quite fully wireless. And they've got a, a new adaptive sound feature that adjusts the volume based on the conditions around you. So so that could be handy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Google Assistant is also along for the ride, I guess, much like uh, Siri Ride Shotgun with the AirPods. Uh, you got your Google right. Assistant here. And uh, they, they like the Pixel Buds, too. However, unlike the $250 Apple Airbuds Pro, the Pixel Buds 2 don't have the active noise cancellation, which some people, that, that's a deal breaker right there. They need the active noise cancellation. Uh, but on the upside, the, the Pixel Buds 2 are cheaper. I, I imagine this is not really... Well, you're a Samsung phone guy anyway, but th- this doesn't seem to have really made you reach for your credit card, has it? No. Active cancellation on an earbud is ridiculous. It's just useless. Mm-hmm. All you need is a good seal with a silicone tip mm-hmm. or a foam tip, and you've got all the noise reduction you need. So I, I don't know what you're paying for, folks. It makes no sense. No, they're paying for a line on the feature set here that, you know, whether you uh, need probably. it or not, it's in there. Yeah. Wow. So, but, but for those who like Pixel phones and, and we're looking for an AirPods-like set of wireless earbuds to go with it, you've got your Pixel Buds too now. And finally, and finally, the Metropolitan Opera here in New York recently managed to stage a lengthy all-day event with uh, popular opera singers online. And we've seen Saturday Night Live at least do two episodes remotely. Other shows are also producing episodes remotely. I think Parks and Recreation is going to try one. But all of these little remote things are not quite your studio quality. And the well, amount hold, of hold new- on a second. Parks and Recreation? They were talking about doing a, a charity episode, I think. A remote wow. parks. Yeah, the, 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 I think it's still in the works, but uh, there was some talk of that. Saturday Night Live did a couple. Uh, I think they've done at least two now where, where they're, they're all working good, from yeah. home. Yeah, especially the last one with, with Brad Pitt. And the Met thing, I was like, eight hours of opera, but apparently it was a technical marvel and people tuned in from all over the world because it went all over the world and they managed to patch in all of these opera singers from around the globe. And if you like opera, this was, I guess, like the Woodstock of opera right there in your browser, but you still kind of know it's remote. You see the performer in their living room and makeup and hair and lights and sound is is not all that as you get in a studio. It's it's varied, yes. But uh, because of this lack of new studio produced content is dwindling, some companies are asking their ad agencies to get creative, even if it means using digitally altered footage to make new commercials. Now, uh, for those who've been watching ESPN's documentary about uh, Michael Jordan, it's a basketball thing. I, I don't remember if you're a basketball fan last or not. Last Dance. Yes, no, Last not, Dance. But yeah. yeah. But, she, but she, it's Michael Jordan, you know. It's Michael Jordan. Um, I know who he is. So if you're watching that ESPN series, uh, you may have already seen the deep fake commercials in action uh, as State Farm Insurance ran a commercial featuring deftly doctored footage of the Sports Center anchor Kenny Main from 1998. But the commercial was made by layering videos of Mr. Main's current 60-year-old mouth onto footage of his then 38-year-old face. And they had him do a whole shtick there about in the future, oh, there'll be a documentary or whatever. And so they did a completely doctored video with a real actor. A spokesperson for ESPN said, we tried to make the joke clear enough so that we weren't tricking anyone. But we've seen deepfakes popping up in political ads and mm. kind of twisting the footage around and the fact that it may be coming into entertainment where people don't realize this has been fully messed with could be a slippery slope. So uh, so I have just have to add, but still, you know, you weren't tricking anyone, but still... Mm. 
But so uh, yeah, so d- just another uh, side effect of the great pandemic is uh, lot, lots more digitally altered footage and doctor commercials. Yep, just saying. Just saying. But for anyone out there who would like to know more about the things we talked about in the news, including every country's contact tracing app, those stories, you can find them all on our show page at poptechjam.com. Up next, we're going to check in on the cheese grater. JD. Pedro. I got a quick little clarification that I want to make. This comes from Kevin T, who posted a comment on poptickjam.com. I was going to just talk it through, but he wrote it so nicely and laid it out so nicely. He was It was a response to the segment I did on Wi-Fi. I remember that. And let me just read what he said. And thank you, Kevin, for reaching out. Uh, he says, five gigahertz has a shorter range, but it's faster, not the other way around. The router should be at least dual band in order to be selectable. It might be good to make a better distinction of the modem and router. I don't know if you remember, but I kept interchanging both the modem and router as the segment was going on. And this is Kevin. How I like to explain it is that the modem is the cable box for the internet, and the router is a multi-outlet to disperse it either via wired or Wi-Fi. That's a great way of looking at it. Is the yeah. modem is the cable box for the internet. So, Kevin, thank you for clarifying that a little bit more for us and for the listeners. But we're going to talk about my cheese grater now. Oh, yes, your beloved, uh, what is this, a 2008 Mac Pro? 2008 Mac Pro. There was a time where I tried to upgrade it, and I did. I actually upgraded it to High Sierra. That really proved fatal, so I rolled back. Oof. To El Capitan. I got my iMac in an impulse buy. So I relegated the Mac Pro, the cheese grater, to server duty. I set up a software raid and it was doing it's just fine. It's a noble calling. Server duty Absolutely. is a noble calling. Absolutely. Perfectly fine. But then I started getting errors that the main drive was about to die. Ooh. So I got a replace the drive. Now, couple of options. Obviously, I don't want to have to reinstall everything that's on the drive. So my first instinct is getting something to just clone the drive. Should be easy, right? You clone the drive, you pop in another drive, you're good to go. You've been cloning drives for years. Yeah, Exactly. That was my assumption. It didn't really work out that way. But I went with SuperDuper at first. SuperDuper is cloning software for Mac. It's 28 bucks. It is designed by a developer who is very, very responsive to any issues you have, but it's his baby. It's a piece of software that you know is a labor of love for this person, but it also becomes the person, and I won't mention the name, but the person also becomes very stuck in a certain groove, so occasionally not really responsive to what customers need, so... It's one of those vibes. I also went with a carbon copy cloner, mm-hmm. which oh, that's is an old school one that's been around it forever. Is a, it's an old school one that's been around forever, but the UI is ridiculously easy to use mm-hmm. and it covers all the bases, a lot of the bases that super duper doesn't. And then my other option was actually using the recovery mode on the Mac. 
I decided not to go in that direction because, number one, El Capitan is no longer supported on mm-hmm. the Mac platform. So Kicked out of the Cool Kids Club. Yeah. Exactly. If I couldn't run, if for whatever reason my recovery, you know, because the idea is I'd have to reload the software, wipe the drive clean, right? I had to reload the operating system onto the secondary drive, make sure that that drive is bootable, and then migrate the information from the startup drive to this secondary drive. Too many variables there, too many variables for screwing up. So I decided to stick with the cloning of the drive. Okay, so super duper, fire it up, instantly had a problem with ownership failing of the drive. So in other words, the software could not access the secondary drive or the other boot up drive that I wanted to clone to. So it was not doing it for you? We're not doing it for me. It took me a while to dig around and find that as of version 3.2, it was an issue. It has not been fixed. The only way around it is the workaround is to essentially use the smart update instead of the generic full backup. All right. That's a small price to pay. I could, I could deal with it. The problem though is that it does not copy the recovery partition. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I understand that the assumption is that you already have that recovery partition on your machine. But for whatever reason, if you don't or if it's damaged, I would like the option in my software that I paid money for to do that. But Super Duper does not. That All was right, so. a real issue for me. So the workaround again, so I'm on my second workaround using Super Duper mm-hmm. is to do the backup, clone the drive, set it all up, fire it up, and then find a copy of El Capitan and then reinstall the operating system so it assigns the recovery partition. That's ridiculous. This has kind of turned into a lengthy project here. It is. It's taken me three days. I'm actually still working on it. I finally got it to the point where I can boot off a clone drive, but I ended up using Carbon Copy Cloner. To your point, that's been around forever. It's a $40 piece of software, but it is incredibly user-friendly. It walks you through every process, including copying the recovery Mm -hmm. partition. Yeah, well, Carbon Copy, you'd think you'd you'd get that uh, in your clone. But of course... There's been an issue with making the drive bootable, which is where I am right now. I just got through that issue just by tweaking some stuff. Short story long is that it is not an easy process. If your drive is going south, my recommendation to you out there in listener land is don't carbon copy, don't super duper, don't clone Don't use a recovery drive. Get a copy of your operating system and just reinstall everything. Start from scratch. Just Mm -hmm. do a fresh install and reinstall all your applications. Make sure you have a backup and maybe reinstall stuff from that backup, but just do a clean install because this has been a nightmare. I've been working on it for three days now. Yeah, it seemed to me like this was just going to be, oh, it'll be a little afternoon project. and it's Yeah, it's, it was. Uh, it was going to be an afternoon project. Hey, I'm going to clone my drive, put a new one in there. Yeah. You know, like 72 hours later, yes, it's uh, been a nightmare. But 
I'm getting my cheese grater back. That's all that matters. I, mean, you know, I know you love that machine. Out. I know you're going to do everything you can to save it. Absolutely everything. I've been lovingly vacuuming it and everything. That's how, oh. you know, like very gently wiping the dust off and, you know, mm-hmm. got to take care of it. Got to take care yeah. of it. It's, no, this it's, is, it's like vintage well. cars, you know, vintage cars. People it's true. keep the Pontiac Sunbird going or the GTO. Yeah. And I'm not a car guy, but I'm definitely a computer guy. Yeah, definitely well, I think that's what that, computers are cars for nerds, you know. These are <laughs> our hobby things under the hood, trick them out. I guess rev them you're up. right. I guess yeah. you're right. I guess you're All right. right. Well, well, good luck. Uh, please do let Thank us you. know when, when you finally get get to the end of this project and, and hopefully it'll be successful and we can all celebrate the uh, resurrection of the cheese grater. <laughs> There's light at the end of the tunnel. Well, well good luck with that, sir. Um, I guess you. we should probably thank the bros, shouldn't we? Oh, yeah. Thank you, bros. Builtbybros.com. If you think it, they will build it. Yes, because uh, when we thank the bros, you know we've come to the end of another episode of Pop yes. Tech Jam here. We also must thank the listeners, each and every one thank of you. Thank you, listeners, yes. Hope uh, if you are in a pandemic-ravaged country or are getting through it that uh, everyone is uh, safe and healthy and not going too nuts. And uh, we're, we're in the same boat right with you. Um, yes, And I, I guess uh, we're going to try to come back next week and talk some more, right? Yep, and I hope that at least for 30 minutes we got you away from the Rona pandemic nightmare and, you know, maybe yeah, put a smile on your face. We talked about, you know, a little bit of, but you know, but they're doing contact tracing now, so we're moving through it. So yeah, if we can of just course, get, we're plowing through it. Plowing through yes, it. Yes, so, um, so I hope everyone out there uh, have a good week. Until next time, when we're back with more, I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. Yes, and bring the cheese grater in next week. <laughs> <laughs>